The upcoming Daredevil show will be truly born again with new writers and directors. And we've got tons of exciting news from New York City Comic Con. All that and more on this week's Multiverse News. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Multiverse News, your one-stop shop for information on all your favorite fictional universes. My name is Matthew Carroll, and with me on the panel today, we have Haley Hobbs. What's happening, Haley? Oh, you know, just here, ready to break down some Comic-Con. Yeah, so much, so much. This is our busiest week of news I think we've had since we've done this sh- this show. Uh, Jay Scotty St. Clair, what's up with you? Hey, doing great. Got a jam-packed news week, and we've got... The whole multiverse crew here, so not a complaint in the world here. Awesome. And Jay Sisson, how's it hanging, buddy? Great. I'm excited to get in and talk about all this stuff we got going on here. Sweet. Well, let's dive right in, since we do have so, so much to talk about. Uh, This first one's not uh, New York City Comic Con related, but it's a crazy, crazy big deal. Although almost half of the episodes of Daredevil Born Again had been shot when production was halted due to the writer's strike, Marvel Studios has decided to start over. They quietly let go head writers Chris Ord and Matt Corman and also released the attached directors as part of a significant creative reboot of the series, according to The Hollywood Reporter. The studio is now on the hunt for new writers and directors with a different take. Daredevil is a property that many feel the Netflix show nailed on tone, plot, and writing, and there has been some pushback about the supposed Disneyfication of the darker characters in their appearances thus far on Disney+. Does this concern us enough to call the office of Nelson and Murdoch, or is this setting the stage to ensure the project hits the bullseye? Guys, there is so much in this article. Like, past (laughs) just the headline, like the, hey, they're redoing Daredevil, which is a huge headline, because that's really, what they shot had to have been massively expensive, like had to have been millions of dollars. Yeah. Uh, So to reboot it, this way, like scrap it down to the writers, like down to the studs is really significant. But past that, the article goes into a lot more detail about how not only are they overhauling Daredevil, but Marvel is really overhauling their entire TV division because what they're seeing is that there are some really diminishing returns on these shows. Uh, One of the things that stood out to me is a graphic that shows the total minutes viewed of all of the Disney plus Marvel shows that's in this story. The three at the top are the three closest to Endgame: Loki, WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier. And they all just start dropping off from there. So She-Hulk is kind of the outlier. It's kind of right there at the top, but all the rest did not do well, did not perform well. And so I think when you're looking at the writing on the wall and you're Kevin Feige, you're saying, Hey, like people aren't really buying into these shows. So the formula that we have is not working. But then the article talks about the fact that they took the Marvel formula, which has been grow their director, 
give their director like 150 to 200 million dollars and let him make a movie they're trying to apply that to tv so it's like they're taking these film directors they're putting them into these shows and they're having them make these 150 million dollar productions for for television when these people have no experience directing television one of the things the article said is that none of these shows have showrunners not a single Marvel <laughs> Studios show has a showrunner or a pilot. They didn't even shoot a pilot and test it with people, which is just like, that's how you do TV. You test it, and then you decide if you want to go forward with the project. They're just calling up a director and going like, hey, we want you to make a six-hour movie, cut it up into six pieces like a pie, and here's $150 million, go do it. And clearly that has not worked, uh, clearly, because we're seeing them basically take this about face. They say in the article that, not only are they going to bring in showrunners, uh, they're going to bring in, they're going to shoot pilots, they're going to do traditional TV stuff, but they're also going to focus a lot more. They're going to turn away from the whole six episode limited series thing or the special presentation thing, and they're going to pivot and they're try to, going to try to make shows in which there are second and third seasons. So try to extend out these properties into multiple seasons. All of this, I think, ultimately, and I'll let you guys get in here because I'm kind of going a little long, but ultimately, like a lot of this, I think, is good because clearly they're willing to pivot and change and try to find something that works. But it's like, how do we get here? Like, like we got to this point and there was a lot to get to this point that I think has built up. The article talks about secret invasion, how much of a mess that was, how much, how much a lot of these executive uh, film producers fought with each other. Like it, it's, it's gotten bad to get to this point. So to me, it's ultimately a good thing that they're stepping back and just saying like, this is bad and we have to redo it. Mm -hmm. um, but hopefully I think this can maybe shift the way that television is done in general at Marvel Studios. Cause I think it desperately needs a change. You, you said like the crazy thing is how expensive it must be. My, my idea is like how bad it must be. And that like is crazy to think of how bad a show must be for them to have half of it filmed and them to drop it like this. It must be terrible or, it, you know, or just completely not what we want, which I mean, it sounds like based on the descriptions I've heard, it just sounds like it's not what we want, not what the fans would have wanted from mm -hmm. it has nothing uh, not enough DNA that matches up with the Netflix series. Um, and I, I just can't believe with the cast they have, with the characters they have, with the, it, it just, the money they have, they couldn't pull it together and make something valuable. But I, I'm right there with you. I'm really glad they're doing an about face. If they need to fix things, fix them. Don't just give us crap. You know, the article said he didn't even put on the suit until episode four. Yeah. Think about how that went, went over. Like, uh, like de debuting that show and waiting mm -hmm. until episode four. Like, think about how the fans would react to that. You know, it's just, uh, I think they're, it just, and I know it's 18 episodes, like I get it, but man, that's, you know, it's just, that, that wouldn't have gone over well. Like what, like four mm -hmm. weeks before you see him put the suit on? Like, how, how are people going to react to that? Like, not well. Yeah. I think you guys did a pretty good job of distilling kind of the paradigm shift that we're seeing here. Like the, the daredevil news is the, is the flashy part of the story and certainly makes the headline, but it's really just the tip of the iceberg. So yeah, kind of referring to how uh, one of the pull quotes from the article said something like TV has always been like a writer driven process, but mm -hmm. Marvel, it's a Marvel driven process. So for yeah. them to kind of like, you know, if, if any good is to come out of these strikes, I guess it's, it's kind of reassuring to me that Kevin Feige had the time and space to really like review these dailies and actually give his opinion and be more hands-on and take this opportunity to pivot because like 
don't get me wrong. I, I feel really bad for these writers that were attached and the directors like as to be attached to like an MCU property and like know how popular a character da- Daredevil is and like know that you're going to be introducing like the MCU version of this character or getting to flesh them out. Like how heartbreaking that must be to have that ripped from you. But uh, I, I think it's a, a good move overall if they didn't like what they were seeing and, and you know, there's got to be more flexibility in terms. And I, this new approach seems to, to provide just that instead of just like, you know, having an entire production in the can. And another pull quote was like taking the approach that they had taken in the movies was like this mentality about, Oh, we'll just fix it in post. We'll see what's mm-hmm. not working after this is already said and done yeah. and having the ability to adapt it and, and fix what's not working as you're, as you're making it, I think is going to just, you know, make a better product. And also it'll help the business side of things by not, they won't be able to spend as much money. Well, that fix and post thing is just like really saying, let's not plan well. Like, right. like, and they yeah. would, they would get into production <laughs> without full scripts. They just kind of do their thing and they're like, any problems we can just fix. But when you're making six, eight, 18 hours of content, you, you can't easily fix one scene to fix a problem. You fix a scene here, it changes the meaning of a scene later and it's just too much. You can't fix it in post. Series are different than movies. Yeah. Did you guys see that Charlie Cox uh, cosplayed as Bluey at New York Comic Con? <laughs> I did not. That's great, though. That's yeah, amazing. extremely low budget costume. It was uh, amazing, too, by the way. <laughs> That's awesome. Besides that, um, my takeaways are that with everything you guys already said, it just goes to show how um, not easy it was to create the Marvel Cinematic Universe and to keep it going as steadily as it went throughout the infinity saga like clearly we can't just apply cookie cutter methods when we want to try something new it's not going to work out and so knowing that feige is coming a little bit back into the fold and taking a little bit more of control back and putting his hand back on the wheel is definitely a good thing he knows what fans want out of these comic book adjacent movies and tv shows I think another thing, like kind of talking about those viewing minutes, like that was really interesting to me just thinking about the future because I think people probably watched those three at the beginning because of the way that they were pitched after Endgame, there was that that was the height of Marvel of Marvel hype, right? Like it hit it hit a peak there. And so there was this kind of growing idea of like where is this going to go from here it's still got to be connected because that's what marvel is that's why people go see the movies right is because they're all connected and you have you can't miss one or the next one won't make any sense right that's been the draw the whole time well then these shows on disney plus were pitched as that like these are going to be extended looks at the marvel cinematic universe they're going to connect to the wider thing and you have to see the show i mean i heard feige that came right out of his mouth like you have to see the shows for the movies to make sense Mm -hmm. but that's just not the case like you can skip most of this stuff and i mean you could almost skip i really think you skip all this stuff and still like go to the movies and they'll fill you in uh for the most well we've got like like wandavision is pretty necessary to understand what's going on with uh her in multiverse of madness which is like one of the only things we've seen so far that has that crossover and then i'm wondering how much they're going to explain uh, Miss Marvel before we dive into the Marvels because yeah. Marvels is a shorter movie. Like, are they going to take the time to re-educate the new audience? So, it, the few crossovers we had, it has, it does seem like maybe there's a necessary component to watching it, but like we've yet to see it much. With Miss Marvel being the the literal bottom of 
the the shows in terms of minutes watched they mm. they better not count on people have watched it <laughs> before they come to the marvels you know because yeah. what these numbers say is that not very many people did um, but but yeah it's I think it's just you're you're moving into this phase where it's like, what do you want to do with the shows? Like, do you want them to connect to the bigger universe and like be essential, or do you not? Because I think a lot of people thought that they were going to connect to the bigger universe, and that's why they watched them at the beginning. But now they're not because they they're seeing like, well, this doesn't really connect to the wider thing. So I think there's a little bit of a problem there. There's another element to this that I find very interesting. I talked about this on source pages a little bit. Is we have to remember when Disney Plus started. It was at the end of 2019. And then a few months later, we had COVID. Mm. And the viewership of those shows, those first three, are going to be inflated for that reason and because they were the first thing after Endgame. But then um, as the world, you know, reconstructed and stuff and we came out of the uh, the pandemic, things just got a little more harried and a little less cohesive and People also probably weren't watching TV quite as much. I think that's an element of this mm-hmm. um, that we can't forget. And and I think Disney in general, we've talked about how they you know pushed a lot of content out and a lot of it didn't seem to work super well. And that was one of Bob Iger's comments that I agreed with was, we have to step back and make sure we're putting out uh, quality content that people do want to use our streaming service for. Yeah, I, It's just nice hearing them say that they see the issues and are trying to work on them. You know, they're not just sure. burying their head in the sand and going, no, we have a plan. We're going to do it. Like, I'm, I'm glad they're yeah. making changes. The interesting thing about Miss Marvel being uh, the worst performing is another issue. I think that there is, which is like the generational baton pass of Marvel to a younger audience. You know, um, I don't know, like, as adults that have been watching this stuff for like 15 years and have aged into a different era of our lives, but still love this stuff. And we're the core audience of the MCU um, that has been following it since the beginning. We want more adult stories, but things like Miss Marvel is their chance to like bring new followers in. And I wonder how, how they can balance that in a way that will, uh, keep the old audience interested while making something for new audiences to introduce new people. I think it's been said before, but it's kind of the same struggle you saw the comic books universe, like come, come with like, like Stan Lee was, you know, reported for having said like every issue you have to consider could be somebody's first issue. So there has to be mm, some level yeah. of like entry while you're also, you know, placating the the fans that have been, you know, consuming all these stories and, and characters for, for so many years. So like that is kind of the, the double-edged sword that a, a shared universe, a shared connected universe presents. Like how do you keep pushing the story forward while also making it accessible for, for new audiences? And we kind of talked off off air, but I think there is room for both. It's just like, like thinking about a character like Daredevil and hearing how it was the, like going for this legal procedure kind of like raise the red flags there and like, looking back at the the Netflix series and how well that worked, like that dark tone is not going to appeal to, you know, every member of the family or whatnot, but daredevil doesn't necessarily have to, you just have to mm-hmm. adjust the budget to fit the project and know what story you're going to tell. And if this one needs to be off on, you know, doing its own thing a little bit, that's fine. It can do that. Just set expectations, you know, properly. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, I'm sure we will continue to talk about this, this shake up in Marvel, but for now let's move on. 
New York Comic Con was hosted last week and brought forth a swath of new trailers spanning several different genres. A fresh sneak peek of The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live, which will premiere in February. A full trailer for Netflix's Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, premiering November 17th. A new look at Monarch Legacy of Monsters, releasing two episodes globally, also on November 17th. And the first trailer for the upcoming anime series Dragon Ball Daima? Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. You got Daima? Yeah. Look Daima. at that. Look at me. <laughs> Speak Japanese. Uh, which is set to premiere in the fall of 2024. Which of these trailers gets our news team most excited? All of these trailers excite me on some level, but some of these I can speak to more than others. For The Walking Dead, um, I fell off around season six, so I, mm-hmm. my understanding is that the characters of Rick and Michonne like rode off into the sunset. And you know, the very very quick trailer we got here, my the sense that I got is that they had somehow been separated, and this was going to be some kind of you know reunion for them. But um, apart from that, I think Scott Pilgrim is definitely a standout for me. Everything I've seen about this series just gets me super excited. The energy, the art style, having all of the talented voice cast from Edgar Wright's film come back. Like it just seems like they're doing everything right. The only thing that kind of surprised me about that trailer is like at this point, I can't tell based on the story that's being presented if it's going to be a retelling of Scott Pilgrim versus the world or if they're just going to like set up a recap and be like, Hey, this is what happened in the movie. And that's, we're seeing everything from like the beginning of the series and they're going to, they're going to tell a new story. Um, I'm open for either, either one there, but then, you know, rounding out the bunch here, I will say Monarch legacy of monsters looks really good. The special effects, like they're not skimping out on this budget. Um, they're introducing a, a new character that like seems like she's going to be the main character in the search for her father and how, not just the, you know, the kaiju, those monsters, but the monster that is Monarch, how they have kind of taken everything away from her. Um, but Kurt Russell did have like one spoken line in the trailer. And uh, I'm excited for Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell to play the same character. But I don't know if it was a case of like bad ADR or something like that. But uh, the way he delivered that line was like, I, I found myself saying, we, we, we couldn't have done another take there. Like it was just pretty wooden. So hopefully that doesn't <laughs> speak to what he's going to be bringing to the table for the whole series. But uh you know, uh, and I guess I'll just speak to Dragon Ball Daima as well. This is a a series that, as an anime fan, um, I I probably get some flack for not being caught up on the Dragon Ball saga. I stopped after Dragon Ball Z and haven't seen anything after that. But I thought uh, this concept of kind of like taking the Muppet Babies idea and taking all these like badass characters that are known for their aggro personalities and and making them cherub and, and childlike is uh, is kind of fun for me. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you weren't kidding about the budget for that Monarch show. Like that was the first when uh, when they first announced it, I was like, okay, so you're gonna put Godzilla on the small screen. You're gonna make a show like so. You're gonna see like Godzilla's tail sweep by or something, you know? Like and then you're gonna like there's not gonna be a lot of special effects. They're gonna just cut around it or whatever. But no, like they went straight for it. Like there's full shots of Godzilla. It looks movie quality. Like it looks mm-hmm. good, and that exci- that raises the excitement level because I watched those movies when they came out i didn't go back and rewatch them or anything but i had a good time i mean uh going through them but the idea of filling in the lore and filling in like the human side of the story like that's intriguing and then seeing the trailer and seeing like okay so they really committed to like actually doing something here with this and really expanding the universe in a meaningful way like that's definitely an exciting thing 
these all four, like like you said, Scotty, all four have some sort of interest for me. But um, the Walking Dead, uh, I I've been excited for that, and I think this trailer looks just. I I really hate when they release stuff that just doesn't seem up to par, and this feels like the cheesiest kind of teaser they've got them in like way too nice like lighting it doesn't look it's not from the show you know when they do those like uh i think it's like ew entertainment weekly will do like shoots from the set of a thing and it always looks a little too glossy and it doesn't look like as rugged as you want them it doesn't look real it looks plastic this trailer kind of looked plastic to me michonne was like stepping through in like perfect lighting and just it it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it give gave me enough um and so i I, for me i'm always like i'd rather you not release anything than release something like that that makes me feel Mm -hmm. like it's going to be um you know not an interesting take um it is really interesting this was long before we had a news show really interesting thing they did that this show, this is finally following up on it. It was it was prior prior to COVID. Um, slight spoiler. It's, it's spoiler. It's spoiler. But spoiler alert for like season nine of The Walking Dead. Um, <laughs> but the way they the what they did is they had the character of Rick is in a huge explosion. It's like a big sacrifice kind of moment for him, and then all the characters think he's dead. And then you think he's dead. The whole crew, everybody thinks he's dead. And then they show him waking up inside of a riverbank and getting like captured by some people in like like hazmat suits and like thrown into a helicopter and flown away. And then when they aired that episode, like the moment it aired, they announced on social media, Rick will return in a th- in three movies. Oh, that yeah, they're going to release on AMC. <laughs> yeah. And it was like this weird, like, it felt almost slapsticky in how over the top it was. It was like, he's gone through this, like, nine seasons of struggle. He finally, like, gave up his life for his family. And then it's like, nah, man, we're throwing you in a helicopter <laughs> and we're making three more movies. Like, it felt like, Andrew Lincoln, you're not getting out that easy. Um, it's, it's very, nice very fun. Try. Do you read the yeah. fine print in your contract? Yes, <laughs> you did it. <laughs> You're you're making a thousand more Walking Dead things. <laughs> Carl. Uh, but I think- <laughs> no, my agent's name is Carl. I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. That's good. Uh, but no, it it is it, it was a really interesting story when it happened. I thought that was so, it was honestly cool. Like I, I watched it, I was like, oh, that gets me pumped. And then COVID happened, and it's sort of like four years later and those movies never came and it sort of, I've lost interest at this point. Um, but this, those movies I think turned into this show, um, which is him trying to reconnect with his family after all these, all this time since that, that episode. So it's, it's, it's fun. I think this is going to be cool, but I really hate the, the teaser. <laughs> all right. Up next, we have, uh, another, another Comic-Con story here, uh, with the actors still on strike, Comic-Cons have become more attuned to their name this year, and there was a bunch of exciting comic book news released at New York City Comic-Con. Luckily, we have a, uh, a, a prolific comic reader in, uh, in, in Haley Hobbs over here. I didn't know this was a, a comedy show now. <laughs> <laughs> She is one of the hosts of Source Pages, and uh, she's going to kind of break down what are the most interesting things in that were released about the comic books. Big, I know there's big Marvel, DC, Star Wars, uh, other stuff. What's your, what was the things that interested you most? 
Well, I'm going to be partial to Marvel and Star Wars stuff, and I will say that I'm not, like, the super knowledge person about comics in general. I just happen to co-host a show where we read a lot of them, um, and I'm learning more and more every year we do that show. But I'm going to kind of break these down by franchise and maybe just add a few takes here and there. So um, from Marvel, they released a ton of exciting things. Um, Loki-specific, a Miss Minutes comic was teased from Marvel's current editor-in-chief, C.B. Selbuski, which is fun for fans of that character. Mm-hmm. Artist Peach Momoko is the creative force behind a new Ultimate X-Men series, and Marvel is launching the first Ultimate Black Panther series. Peach is one of my favorite artists currently. She has a really distinct take um, with comic art, and so I would encourage people to check her out. And just if you don't know what the Ultimate comics are, it was kind of Marvel's um, take on DC's Crisis on the Infinite Earths, where they kind of wanted to blow it up and then but marvel was like let's not blow it up let's just do this and so ultimate series are kind of like modernized versions of the characters and a lot of the ultimates is what the mcu is kind of based on yes yeah i i believe i have read that that's fairly true it was all around the same time whatever yeah more updated versions of what was going on with those characters not the original captain america which wouldn't have played super well um, <laughs> the mainstream marvel universe however is heading towards a vampire themed crossover event written by avengers author jed mckay he's been doing the current avengers run which has been really successful mm. my favorite news uh scarlet witch and quicksilver are getting a new comic run in 2024 to celebrate the duo's 60th anniversary and it'll be an evolution of the current ongoing scarlet witch series um, by Steve Orlando and Lorenzo Tamata, and that's been one of my favorite comics recently. Um, if you haven't read them and you like Scarlet Witch and Wanda, they're a really cool new take on her character. Very, Very cool. cool. Yeah, I really like uh, that all the things happening here sound weird uh, and interesting. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I, I mean, the, the Ultimates getting more content is cool, but like a Miss Minutes book is crazy i'm super um, excited for that <laughs> like I'm, I'm really curious how it will tie in to the overall um uh content like is it mcu related is it a off brand to the show or is it like a comics version of that character or it's the multiverse is it a version that kind of bounces between like i'm, I'm really interested in that mm-hmm. oh and the fact that the next big avengers uh thing is vampire related is weird <laughs> i love it yeah yeah it's fun have we had any other like characters from the MCU make the transition to like uh, their own comic line like Miss Minutes is doing right now? I was just, like racking my brain and nobody um, really came to we mind. We have okay Fitzsimmons because uh, okay. Fitz and Simmons. yeah some of the Agents of Shield because you put okay. me on the spot I'm not going to remember some of them but yes there have sure. been some okay I, f- I figured there probably had been I was just yeah couldn't think yeah. of any myself okay moving on to DC Comics um, Return of the Elseworlds they've announced that as um, their own imprint, which an imprint is a publisher uh, publishing something under a trade name. So it has kind of a defined character or defined mission to go with it. And that's going to be no less than six new series. DC is reprinting Batman number 428. Spoiler alert for an older comic. This is the issue that killed Jason Todd's Robin. And this was done by the fans. So there was like a phone poll and the fans chose whether Jason Todd got to live or die. 
Um, yeah. and, and so they the chose new reprint, that he died. They chose they that he died. Him. They killed him. That, that whole thing where the, the Joker Jason beats Jason Todd to death, the fans did that, like 100%. Oh, okay, well. It's so, so funny. To give him, I'm, just, uh, I'm, I'm learning so much right now. A little love. <laughs> <laughs> reprint him with the alternate version. So it's not going to rewrite anything with Red Hood, but that's just kind of a fun little reprint. And then we're getting a John Constantine Hellblazer series from Cy Spurrier and Aaron Campbell, and he's technically dead in the universe, so I don't know if he's going to be a zombie John Constantine or what, but that's kind of fun for fans of that character. He has got a big following. Mm. I am really... So is this... Do we know... Is this alternate Jason Todd story? Is it the original creative the way they were going to do it like did they already have the original made or did they write that and produce it after the fans chose so the this is like a new is this new content or is it like they're finally releasing the old one do we know um i sorry i think that's technically new content it's just not changing any of the history so it's kind of going to be this like kind of like we were talking about with the marvel shows like lives in its own little universe yeah i was just curious it was created by the writers and artists back then, or if it's like I don't a, know that I saw that anywhere. I'm looking real fast. I didn't see it in the first article I looked at, and I don't see it on this one either. So I'm not sure. Gotcha. Either way, it's really interesting to finally get like what that would have looked like. Would, would yep. that be yeah. such a classic book? Oh yeah, super big deal. So then, moving on to our third powerhouse, Star Wars Lucasfilm Publishing. If you don't know how much written material exists in Star Wars <laughs> canon and Star Wars Legends. Trust me, it's a lot. Um, the biggest <laughs> news that I found from this was that Jody House and Timothy Zahn are headlining an adaptation of Zahn's novel, Thrawn Alliances. Um, they're making it into a comic format starting in January. For people who love Thrawn, and there's a lot of them out there, this is cool because there's an antagonistic species in those books that we don't have visual for right now. So we're going to get visuals for that. So that's super cool. He also teams up with Darth Vader in that book. Would so that Darth Vader to be the Yuzon Vong? That's chance? Legends. Okay. <laughs> and well, in canon, yeah. it's the Grisk. Ah, okay. Um, also, to celebrate the 25th anniversary of The Phantom Menace, Mark Bernardin is going to helm a new Mace Windu miniseries. That's going to begin in January, which is kind of cool. I mean, Mace is such a big character. People will love to see him come back in any form for mm. the most part. And I've heard Mark Bernardin talk about Mace Window and how much he loves that character. Um, so that's that's cool. They're doing a lot of these anniversary things. Um, if you look, I read most of my comics on Marvel Unlimited. And so if you look on there, there's like 40th anniversary Return of the Jedi comics, kind of one-offs of like Lando and Han Solo and stuff like that. It's super cool. And then finally for Lucasfilm, they showed some covers for their Dark Horse Star Wars comics line, which is a different distributor. They announced a new line of graphic novels tackling Qui-Gon Jinn, written by George Mann, and Obi-Wan Kenobi, written by Cecil Castellucci. Cool. And that's just a little bit. There was a ton more. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, good job, Haley. It's just a tease. (laughs) And that wasn't even like the books and stuff that were announced. (laughs) You guys are going to be busy over on Source Pages for... Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of good stuff. Thank you for taking the time to kind of curate that list for us, Haley. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, we're going to, we got so much more news. Like, there's just so much more to talk about. And we're going to get into the lightning round after this quick break. Welcome back to Multiverse News. And we're going to get into our lightning round right after we talk about our Spotify poll for the week. 
Um, we asked, will you see Taylor Swift's concert in theaters? <laughs> and uh, we got uh, 5% said yes, and I will dress up. Hey, respect. That, that's me. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be, I'm definitely going to do that. Um, <laughs> I'm definitely doing it. Uh, me, me and, it didn't happen. Oh, oh, there will be picks. There will be picks. I'm, I'm going to go this week. Uh, at least I'm going to try. If I, if, I, if I end up having to watch it in my house, I'll still dress up. <laughs> Just for you guys. That's great. I love that. <laughs> 17% said yes. Just yes. And 68% said no. And then 9% of you said, why talk about T-Swift? <laughs> Global powerhouse, baby. This is more of a... That was more of a how are we doing question than anything. Uh, I added that in there. Uh, Jess wants to know what era you're dressing up as, Matt. That's a good question. I don't know the eras well enough. Like, I just basically know her music videos some, so I don't know. What's an example of an era of ter- Taylor The eras Swift? are like her albums. So yeah, each Taylor album Swift, is an era. Fearless, Speak I Now, see. 1989, etc. Okay. They all have okay. kind of an aesthetic, and yeah. I'm definitely gotcha. going to go... Dresses T Swift like I we we've we've talked about it in the family and we we're all going to try to go dress as a different uh, different era because we thought it'd be really fun but we haven't really looked at it yet. That sound you're hearing right now is nine uh, percent of our listeners uh, trying this <laughs> off. <right now. laughs> They're like, it's my final straw. I can't watch the NFL without seeing Taylor Swift, and I can't listen to multiverse yeah, news without needs seeing to Taylor her Swift. Travis Kelsey era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just, I'll just go as Travis Kelsey. Um, I'm that Taylor Swift. Uh, okay, well that that's good. We'll we'll move on. We'll move on. You nine percent haters. <laughs> we cater to the nine percent here. <laughs> it, it means ninety one percent are happy to hear us talk about it. That's true. Okay, maybe not happy. They're at least like willing to hear us talk about it. They tolerate it. <laughs> they tolerate it. Nice pull, Scotty. Did you know that that's a song? I did not, but let's say that I did. You did. <laughs> Wait, what did you say? He I said, said they tolerate we tolerate it. it, and apparently tolerate, tolerate it. That's hilarious. I didn't know the song either. Good job, J. Scotty, pulling things out of the ether. <laughs> Good job for Haley for helping me get there. I'm here for comics talking Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's get into the lightning round. As you know, what we do here with the lightning round is I'm going to read a story, and for the sake of time and getting to more stories, only one person is going to respond, and you will claim a story by buzzing in with your name. I'm going to play two, and because I'm a benevolent dictator, I will allow one response per, <laughs> per, per lightning round, so you can rebut one thing that someone else says uh, if you can't get it into it quick enough. And here we go. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse begins streaming on Netflix on October 31st. Scotty. Haley. Oh, go ahead, Haley. I was just going to say, Happy Halloween! (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. For anybody out there that did not get a chance to see it, that wanted to see it, you're in for a treat, not a trick this Halloween. Nicely done, nicely done. (laughs) All right, last week, the Alliance of Motion Pictures and Television Producers declared that negotiations with SAG-AFTRA are suspended, given that the gap between the parties is too great. 
Jay, this happened the morning after we released last week's episode, and we were like, oh, the actor strike is so close to being over because they're meeting for five mm-hmm. straight days. And then they were like, nope, just kidding. We hate each other again. So, you know, it's hard to nail down what happened. It crumbled fast. Uh, it seems like it's a money thing. It seems like the actors sort of put this proposal out there that they would be paid uh, a rate of like per subscriber. And their estimates put it at like 57 cents per subscriber. But then the studios came back and they were like, no, no, no. Our estimates think that it's more like a dollar and eight cents per subscriber. So that ultimately, without getting too mathy about it, adds up to about a $300 million difference between the two. And it just sort of became a non-starter and they walked away. So hopefully they'll get back to the table soon. Ooh, $300 million. Uh, all right. Up next, uh, Netflix has picked up the animated series Star Trek Prodigy following the show's cancellation by Paramount Plus in June. Season 1, which was previously available on Paramount Plus, will be released on Netflix later in 2023. The second season, currently in production, will debut on Netflix in 2024. You know I'm getting this one, Matt. (laughs) Um... I love me some Star Trek. This show was an unexpected bright spot. It is uh, an animated series, really well done 3D animation, different style than uh, Star Trek's ever tackled before. And it's really, really good action, really, really good storytelling. And it really does the Star Trek thing, which is like interesting moral dilemmas. Um, It's a little bit told through a teen lens, which like I sometimes I can take or leave, but like, uh, my, my co-host on Star Trek Universe says it's his favorite Star Trek that's airing right now, which is impressive because there's a lot of good Star Trek going on. And he's like, this is the one I get most excited for every week. And it, it's it's really, really, really a great show. Um, so highly recommend it. And I have been saying for years on Star Trek Universe that we – I'm upset because they don't make things that bring new fans in. And the fact – because they're on Paramount Plus now, it's just very insular. Um because who has Paramount Plus except for a fear a Star Trek fan or a Big Brother fan or whatever? Yellowstone. My kids watch Paw Patrol, so I have Paramount Plus. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. A uh, a series that we're all looking forward to, or at least most of us are looking forward to, that we're going to talk about later. That's going to be a Paramount Plus joint as well. That's so true. That's there true. There are reasons to have Paramount Plus. It's few Absolutely. and far between as they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just feels like it's it's definitely like a third tier. Streaming oh, service, yeah. but it, oh, yeah. it has they, they focus on very specific like niche things. Like you, if you love this thing, you got to come here for it, and which yeah. can be annoying because it just doesn't expand that brand any further. And was, when I'm I'm such a big Star Trek fan, and it has meant so much in my life that like like it built a lot of my personality is built on my love of Star Trek. Like it really taught me a lot, um, and I really, really, really love uh, that some new kids are going to be seeing this on Netflix pop up as just like, oh, look at the new 3D animated cool show, and they're just going to watch it, and then they're going to be introduced to Star Trek for the first time, and that gets me excited. Up next, in a new copyright filing by Marvel Studios, it's been revealed that Sasha Baron Cohen will be playing mystery man in the upcoming Ironheart series. Previously reported rumors have pointed towards the Borat star playing the villain Mephisto. I almost read that wrong and said that Borat would be playing Mephisto. And I was like, wait, is he going to like... This is the interpretation. Is he going like play one character playing another character? I've seen that before, but that seems weird choice for this. The MCU actually began all the way back in 2005. Yep. <laughs> 
Matt, I guess I, sure. th- this yeah. this sounds great. The, uh, it's a weird place. We, we've talked about this before. This was rumored in the past that Mephisto would be introduced in Ironheart. I don't know. I don't know. That's weird. It's a weird place for it. It seems like the most sciencey series for the most mystical villain. Like it's weird, but I'm I'm here for it because I think it could be or just a really interesting uh interesting thing to do. Um, and it's it's just weird enough that like makes me excited seems like somebody has a vision you know it's not like paint by numbers like here is a story of Ironheart let's tell the story of Ironheart it's like here's the story of Ironheart how can we get weird with it and I am down for that hey you'll be able to say Mephisto confirmed for real at some point so yeah it's true and that's it's gonna true. be that's gonna be quite a day Mephisto rumored people Mephisto <laughs> rumored um, up next uh, Keith Giffen a legendary comic creator known for his work on Justice League International and Legion of Superheroes as well as co-creating characters like Rocket Raccoon Lobo and Jaime Reyes has passed away at the age of 70 Haley um, obviously rest in peace and he created some really beloved characters, but the most epic thing that was done, like his family told his representatives to post on his social media, anything to get out of going to New York Comic Con. <laughs> 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 and I was like, that is legendary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> That's so funny. I was going to be like, if I was coming to this, I was going to be talking about how sweet it was that he got to see his character, Blue Beetle, like <laughs> showing up on screen. I always think that's so neat when people get to see the thing they created get such a wide release shortly before their death. It's always just kind of weirdly sure. bittersweet, um, but that's way funnier. That's a really great <laughs> personality. He clearly had a personality that his family knew and was really good. Up next, per Box Office Pro, the Marvels is tracking for a domestic opening weekend in the 50 to 75 million dollar range that is a significant drop off from the 153 million dollar opening for captain marvel's first weekend in 2019 additionally the marvel's ticket pre-sales are tracking 72 percent behind ant-man and the wasp quantum mania and 69 percent behind guardians of the galaxy volume three Whew. jay yeah i mean that's um that's not good. Those are like the flash numbers. Um, and that's uh, terrible. Yeah. And, and so I think there probably is a wider conversation there about why it's tracking so low. And I think it's a multitude of factors. I mean, I think it's everything from the fact that there's an actor strike and there's so much less promotion that can happen. I think in the other corner you have just the fact that like, we've talked about it ad nauseum, but that like Marvel isn't doing what it used to do in terms of ticket sales. I mean, Captain Marvel came out between Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. It made over a billion dollars. Like that was the right time for that movie to to come out. Her character was teased at the end of Infinity War. Like uh, there rode that hype wave and really, um, you know, catapulted it to a lot of success. And so for this movie to be tracking so low, I mean, I think you have to bring the conversation in that like they're, there's some online hate for this movie uh, too. And I think that's part of it too, um, unfortunately, but I think you've just kind of got a lot of snowball factors here that are at the moment, at least like if you're Marvel, you're a little freaked out by those numbers. Like that's really low uh, for a, for a Marvel property, especially one with this kind of star power. I'll use my rebuttal here. Uh, I, I think that, uh, yeah, yeah, all those reasons you mentioned, and, and the online hate is one thing, but you also, and I, I think it's just so many factors are working against this movie. Um, the 
the Captain Marvel movie was um, some people absolutely, it was divisive. We'll say that. Like, uh, obviously, some for just like sexism reasons and just like, uh, which are terrible. And some people just didn't like it as much as some other Marvel properties. And so, regardless of why, it just wasn't as popular of a character. So, I thought one thing they did smartly was expand it to the now it's the Marvels. She's still the star, but there's these two other characters. But then, because of the lack of success of a lot of the Disney Plus shows, like people don't know these characters as well as. Marvel would hope right now. So it just kind of feels like what's driving people into the theater here. And I, I think Amon Vellani would do it. I really think if the actor strike was over, I think Amon Vellani on every late night show would like drive this show. Cause she's so lovable and just her excitement is infectious, but yeah, too many things fighting against this movie. It's really, really bad news. Cause I feel like they're going to take the wrong lessons from it. Like they're going to take that this movie is bad, yeah. even if it's wonderful. The quality of a sequel almost never has anything to do with its numbers, especially on opening weekend. You're always fighting the last battle. Like, if the first one was great and the second one's terrible, the second one will do wonderfully because everyone is hyped from the first one. And it's it works vice versa, too. And, yeah, people that weren't as excited about the first one, you won't get a good, one, good performance on the second one, even if it's wonderful. It's a real bummer. In other box office news, Taylor Swift's Eras Tour concert film took the number one spot at the box office with a $97 million domestic and $130 million worldwide opening weekend. The Exorcist Believer took second place, adding $11 million to its $85 million worldwide total, and Paw Patrol 2 took third, adding $7 million to its $126 million worldwide total. Really? <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> it's such a weird Taylor, Taylor Swift, Swift, The, the Exorcist Believer, Paw and Paw Patrol. <laughs> and yep. that's where we're at in the year, folks. <laughs> so good. So good. I got to throw this in. Did you guys see Jason Blum talking about Exorcist having to move? I think it was on Seth Meyers. Uh-uh. Uh, he was talking about it. And they like, he he! When he found out Taylor Swift was dropping, he just tweeted out, and it was so funny. He's talking about it on Seth Meyers. They showed the whole thing. He just pit, tweeted out a uh, hashtag extra Swift. Like it was like <laughs> like hours after he found out they were putting Swift on his date, and then like two hours later, he had to uh, like, nope, we're moving. <laughs> <laughs> It's a really good interview, but I I think it's a mistake. I think if all those people were dressed up for eras and then the other half of people are cosplaying Exorcist, like that would have been another crazy weekend at the box office. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Coming off a four month hot streak atop the streaming charts, Suits, uh, and the creator Aaron Korsh is in development of a Suits spinoff for NBC Universal. Sources tell Deadline. Jay, I get why they're doing this because Suits has been literally like at the top of the Nielsen ratings for like two months or something, just like number one. Everybody's just going back, watching it all, catching up on the whole thing. But they're 
making a spinoff set in the universe, but they're not going to bring back the original characters. Like to me, that feels like a miss a little bit. Like, I don't know if you're necessarily going to grab that audience that, that like dove into this story, like got attached to the characters, Mm. like went through the whole thing. And you're like, Hey, but do you want a spinoff that's set in another law building? You know, cause the whole appeal of suits was that the main character was a guy who was uh, like, not a trained lawyer, but he was, like pretending to be a lawyer and he was super smart and so he still won cases right well that's not going to mm. happen again like that was the draw of the show that's not going to happen like down the block in new york city at another law firm you know what i mean so <laughs> uh which did you see by the way the guy in africa did you see that story because that's why suits was trending the other day on twitter there was a guy did you see this on twitter it was trending because suits was trending because there was a guy in africa who did a suits like he was a lawyer for like 10 years and won a ton of cases and then they found out he wasn't a real lawyer so i think he had to go to jail or something like that like he was totally just like but he had won a ton of cases so uh you know ultimately like i that's to me that feels like they're kind of taking the wrong lesson a little bit like oh you guys love suits like let's do more suits but they're not bringing back the cast and that is what people want they would want to see the cast back yeah i think another aspect of it that kind of shows how they're just kind of missing the mark here is like the series experienced this resurgence on netflix and now it's nbc universal that's putting out this new series right. so it's going to be on peacock like how many people are going to make that transition from netflix to peacock not very many i can tell you yeah mm. all right rennie harlan director of the next three films of the strangers franchise is teasing that the upcoming trilogy opens up a whole new universe that could potentially lead to more installments in the future harlan is currently helming three new stranger films that will all drop sometime in 2024 three in one year (laughs) scotty um yeah i'll just say like this kind of surprises me because I didn't even know like these movies were happening. So the fact that we're getting all three released next year kind of came out of left field for me, but that original strangers film was like so good. And and the reason it was so good is because it wasn't a part of a franchise. It was just like this standalone thing, the ambiguous ending, the fact that it was like, it could happen to anybody. And why did, why did it happen to that household with Liv Tyler and Scott Speedman? Because they were home. And like, that is, that is the source of the terror and the fear for that, you know, it is a franchise now. So I was kind of like going into it, not all that excited for it, but looking at this article, I actually got to click on a little first look at this upcoming uh, one that the first of the three that's going to come out in 2024. And like the 60 seconds I saw, I do have to say like they sold me, like they created a very, very creepy uh, scene that I look forward to actually seeing how it plays out. So uh, they, they did what they needed to do at least to get me to see this first first of the thrill of the trilogy rather. Mm. Cool. Uh, this one actually is reminding me a little bit of your take here on uh, suits. Jay, uh, Matthew Vaughn, director of the kick-ass film franchise is teasing the reboot of the franchise. He says, kick-ass changed people's perception of what a superhero film is. We're doing it again. During a panel at New York city comic con, according to EW, uh, Vaughn said, quote, none of the other characters from the kick-ass are in it, uh, though we'd like to have them back after the reboot. I can't really talk about it, but it's fun. Matt, I'll talk about this one. <laughs> I love the kick-ass franchise. I really do. I think it's great. 
Um, I, I loved the books when they before the movies came out, and the movies were really, really wonderful. I think it's weird to reboot it with the same director <laughs> and with different characters. It's it's strange. I guess again, this might be just a bad use of the word reboot. Maybe they're just making yeah. a spinoff that may bring the characters back. I yeah, don't know. I, I might be able to provide a little bit of clarity there. He did mention how this like quote-unquote reboot would actually focus on a character that does exist in the comics line that is like a legacy character that takes on the mantle of kick-ass and in this case it would be a a single uh african-american mother that would take on the the role of of kick-ass and then down the line he said none of the actors that appeared in those first two movies would show up then but there could be time and space for them to show up down the road so it's not a a hard reboot it's more of a continuation or soft reboot but um, I, while I'm, I'm taking this time to reply I also want to mention Matthew Vaughn was on record talking about the Kingsman franchise and he did confirm that Kingsman 3 is on the way and I, I love the Kingsman franchise I think for Me too. general audiences the reception has kind of been diminishing returns especially with the Kingsman but I still really like that one I like the action I like Ray Fiennes I like the World War One setting so I want to see more Kingsman like you know keep it coming absolutely and but really, what is Kickass without some appearance by Big Daddy? I really just need mm. Big Daddy. Uh, <laughs> that character uh, is is just a brutal, murderous Batman, and it's wonderful. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful to watch. Uh, okay, the first full trailer released for Showtime's genre bending series, The Curse, starring Emma Stone and Nathan Fielder. The ten episode series will launch Friday, November tenth, on Showtime and Paramount Plus. Scotty, <laughs> okay. I was gonna say, I think we all wanted to do it. <laughs> yeah, I, this, this was an effective trailer because it did exactly what I think it needed to do in terms of setting the tone for the series, and that, and that being, I don't know what the tone of the series is. It seems to like <laughs> vacillate between like this, you know, uh, mockumentary approach to like this highly scripted, uh, you know, uh, uh, drama. And then there's just the the awkward awkwardness that uh, Nathan Fielder inherently brings with him. But I do like mm-hmm. what I'm seeing from Benny Safdie uh, playing like the on on set production um, assistant there. But yeah, I'm just really excited to check this one out because even with this trailer having done such a good job, I know I really I'm really going into this not knowing what to expect, which is great. It almost mm. feels like a horror film, like from yeah. the trailer, like it's. Yeah. It's. I mean, it did. It did what a trailer should do, like you said. Like I walked away being like, "What is this even about?" You know, yeah. which is so. It's so Nathan Fielder. That's what he does. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. I mean, it's it's gonna be interesting. I'll be there. It's like a horror film, and I also just love the social commentary that they're going for, which is like, it almost feels like the horror that they're all facing is more like the horror of being of fearing being canceled. Oh yeah. Sure. <laughs> like that's a lot of what the horror of the show is, is like th- that we've seen in the trailer is like, they keep having things happen to them that are really just them being assholes. Right. And it's kind of like them being public figures and being scared of being revealed for who they are. There's one moment in the trailer. There was someone says something about, uh, uh, this, this show will finally show you for who you are. Oh, right. And they mean it positively, but, uh, <laughs> but Emma Stone looks like, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Emma Stone looks terrified that yeah. she'll be revealed for who she is. Uh, it, it looks really, really good. And like, I, I don't know if it's actually going to be horror related or if it's just going to be that sort of tone mixed with all that other stuff. It just looks great, man. Yeah. I, lo- I love Nathan Fielder. I'll watch mm-hmm. anything Nathan Fielder does forever. 
Amazon released the trailer for Invincible Season 2, teasing a multiversal threat for Mark Grayson when the series returns November 3rd. Scotty. Woohoo! Getting real <laughs> excited for Invincible yeah. Season 2, and this trailer did nothing to diminish my anticipation. Uh, it did set up some threads in terms of the story we're going to be seeing. And, you know, the multiverse is all the rage right now. And Robert Kirkman's comic run did tackle the multiverse. So it's not like, you know, they're not doing something outside of what was established in the comic line. But even moving away from that, I think what I've always like, what's re- the aspect of uh, Invincible that's really resonated with me and what really, you know, made that first season work so well for me is the relationship between Mark and his father and like that kind of like, you know, sense of legacy and expectation and pressure he carries with him. And given all the fallout from season one, it seems like they're not losing that thread. It's going to be such a significant part of Mark and the story we're going to see going forward. Absolutely. After a heated bidding war, Miramax has scored the television rights to the hugely popular Halloween franchise. Miramax Television has signed a wide-ranging deal to develop and co-produce a Halloween TV series. The new Halloween series is envisioned to potentially launch a cinematic universe spanning film and television. Matt, why? (laughs) Why do we need a cinematic universe for Halloween? I don't know, man. We don't. <laughs> yeah, there, there's certain stories that lend themselves to this sort of thing, but like, I do not see why Michael Myers. And I know that, like, you know, maybe the witches will come back from Halloween three. I don't know. Like, it's it's, <laughs> it's weird. Like, you just need more characters. You need more things going on. Maybe it'll be like other whatever, other spooky people. Like, I don't know. It just feels weird. You don't need a universe here. Like sequels you've got a cinematic universe in the sense that you have sequels but the idea of like getting to the point where you have multiple franchises intersecting which is what we kind of assume a universe means like it just seems weird i don't like it and that revival franchise uh it fell off a cliff um it it was not well received by fans by the end it did not perform well like so it definitely didn't set itself up for that um and and ultimately like there's lightning in a bottle and then there's trying to bottle lightning you know and it's like mm-hmm. hollywood quite hasn't figured out in some ways like how to recreate lightning in a bottle you know it's well, like just th- lightning in a bottle is lightning in a bottle you know it's and called just- lightning in a bottle because it's impossible to do like that's the point right you caught lightning in a bottle it's impossible to recreate that event and then you, that's the whole point of that phrase. Yeah, it's 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 silly <laughs> silliness. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you guys on all your reactions here. I will just say, I can kind of see part of the reason that this is happening is because you look at another iconic horror franchise in the Child's Play and the Chucky series, and that Chucky's t- TV series has been you know going for a few seasons now, and the reception of that's, that's been true. really positive. So if they're able to, you know, <clears throat> um, capture that same kind of feel, maybe it could be good for the character of Michael Myers and. We'll have to see. I don't have high expectations for this, but there's always there's always a chance it might work out. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Disney's all new short film Once Upon a Studio is now streaming on Disney Plus. The docu short brings together a hundred years of animation from the House of Mouse. Haley, I stuck this in all the horror news because I was like, <laughs> we're gonna need a break from that. Um, I, not to be a total Disney shill, but sometimes I am, I'm really looking forward to this because I love kind of like behind the scenes type things like this. And they aired this first on network TV and now it's on streaming. So I'll be watching that this week. Cool. Awesome. 
Gary Doberman and James Wan's Atomic Monster banner, known for its collaborations on the hit Annabelle horror movies, have teamed up to remake the 1990s cartoon Gargoyles as a live-action series for Disney+. Doberman will write, executive produce, and showrun the series with Atomic Monster joining the executive producing ranks. The project, which is in early development, was previously reported as a film, but has now shifted to a series. Scotty, does does this mean Brana's out? Like, did, weren't we talking about Brana being attached as like oh, the, yeah. the director to the Scarlet's yeah. thing? Yeah, it yeah. seems that way. And it was supposed to be a film, and now you know, so it seems it's like it's just through some yeah. changes. Yeah, uh, that's. I'm I'm excited for a series, but I am a little disappointed that Brana's out because, like, I I think the you know. Shakespearean dramatic flair mm-hmm. he would have brought to the world of gargoyles would have fit really nicely and would have, would have been pretty cool. Um, but a, a, apart from the rest of it, I do think uh, James Wan is is kind of a good choice because whatever issues you may have with like Aquaman, I will say like the creature designs and that are really good, and I think they would um, those sensibilities would lend themselves really really well to this uh, this franchise and and some of the monstrosities that we see. My tiny butt is. This does feel like a turn towards a focus on the, with the horror elements and stuff. Oh, like yeah, it, it sure. feels like a focus on the aesthetics of gargoyles instead of the story of gargoyles, which is what sure. it felt like when they were talking about uh, having Brana direct. I was like, "Oh, this sounds like they really might be going for something here." And now it feels kind of like they're going to go for the aesthetics of gargoyles. We'll see if the story works. You know, kind of like Aquaman. Like story's middling, but the aesthetics are great. You know, I, I, yeah. So that's, this, that's disappointing. I, I was really looking forward to them like hitting out of the park with something cool for this. Um, still Me could too. be, still could be. Yeah, still could be. That's it. That's our lightning round guys. But we are in the middle of our uh, contest where we're giving away three Loki steel books. You can win one, one of three ways. You can go sign up at patreoncom slash multiverse newscast. You can share us on social media and send it to send us a, a screenshot to multiversenewscast at gmail.com. And you can review us on iTunes or Spotify. Give us that five-star review, screenshot it, send it to us at multiversenewscast at gmail.com. Any three of those ways, you will be entered to win one of our Loki steelbooks, and we will send those out shortly. Um, they're beautiful little uh, DVDs, and we're uh, just – even if you don't care about a steelbook, it'll be pretty on your mantle, and you help the show out. We're trying to uh, get the show in front of more people, and it really helps us out to get those reviews and those shares and, of course, patronage, uh, which I believe we have three new patrons as of this week. So thank you guys Heck for yeah. uh, jumping over there awesome. and uh, becoming patrons. We really, really appreciate it. And we will be back soon. Uh, let's hear from everybody where, where they can find you online. Haley Hobbs. Yeah, check out Source Pages. We just released our first of two Ahsoka reviews because that show was so good. We're going to have to do it twice. Um, and then we're going to focus on primers for the Marvels for Captain Marvel and Monica Rambeau since we've talked about Kamala Khan in the past. And then kind of something I'm trying to do covering source material that doesn't really fall into our geeky realm, but that is being translated to TV or movie that I've read. I'm doing little short book reviews on our Instagram. So I did one for Lessons in Chemistry, and I will have one dropping for Killers of the Flower Moon this week, just as another way to kind of cover stuff that doesn't really fall in the strand of Panda Network necessarily, but that I like and have read and feel passionate about. That's awesome. Nice. Uh, 
And Jay Sisson. Yeah, I'm over on uh, at Commute the Podcast, uh, where you can learn three interesting things in 20 minutes on Monday morning on your way to work. So come hang out with us and try to get some good information for the water cooler or at a party. You can drop some knowledge on people. Drop it like it's hot. <laughs> and that will be all for Multiverse News, you guys. I am over on Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast covering Loki uh, these next four weeks, and I love that show. Cannot wait. Me and Jay Scotty uh, did a feedback episode yesterday, so if you uh, want to hear me and Jay Scotty talk about Loki, go check out their most recent episode on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Um, and we'll and be back. If you want to hear more from me, otherwise <laughs> you can Scotty. also check out <laughs> did Animation Deliberation, the podcast that takes sworn. action animation and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. And uh, I do have to mention Haley mentioned Killers of the Flower Moon coming out, and I believe we are making plans right now for our second entry of Multiverse reviews. Uh, to take place sometime this weekend with the release of Killers of the Flower Moon. So keep an eye and an ear out for that. All three and a half hours of it. That's right, Jay. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and we do try to, when we do those, we do do a, uh, we do do. Uh, we <laughs> we try to, see, I'm getting tired, guys. I forgot Jay Scotty somehow. I was going in, a, in order, too, and I somehow just missed you. Uh, we always do a little uh, spoiler-free up top, so if you just want to see if it's something worth going to see, come download the episode and give that give that beginning a listen, um, even if you haven't seen it yet, and then you can come back and listen to the, the total review. So, um, anyway, uh, go check out Animation Deliberation, because I forgot. And uh, <laughs> that'll be all for Multiverse News. Have a good night. Peace. You stay classy, Multiverse. <laughs>